guys, welcome back to As For Me and My House podcast. I'm Lena. And I'm Jordan. And this week we are going to be talking about how to study your Bible. Yeah, we get this question a lot. It's probably one of our most popular requests is, how do I study my Bible? How do mm-hmm. I get the most out of it? Where do I start? So we want to kind of tackle this uh, head on with you guys in today's episode. So before we do that, uh, I'm just going to pray for us real quick, um, everyone listening, so we can prepare our hearts for what the Lord has for us. Father God, we are again humbled to be here another week uh, sharing what you've taught us, what you're continuing to teach us, and just how we can be a light uh, carrying your word and your truth to others over the airwaves. Lord, be with those uh, this week who are hurting, who have questions and doubts that they're struggling with. Uh, Lord, just show up in supernatural ways uh, as they seek you, Lord. And pray that you would bless this next uh, hour or so that we dive into how to study the Bible, how, how we can effectively uh, glorify you and get to know you better uh, through studying your word, Lord. We know that's the primary way you communicate to us. And may we not take that truth for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, to be honest, this morning, we actually were going to record us doing a Bible study together. But then we were like, okay, hold on. We should probably kind of explain how to even do a Bible study. We go to a church that does, um, what is it called? Like topical? Mm-hmm. Or isn't there a fancy word for it? Yeah, topical. It's, that's, that's not a fancy word. Isn't there another one? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I thought it started with an E. Well, that's expository. That's the opposite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So explain what topical and expository means. So topical is when there's like a topic, let's say it's a topic about anxiety. So then you go into the Bible and kind of look for different places where anxiety is talked about. Mm-hmm. And what is it? Expository. Mm-hmm. That is when you just read through the Bible. It's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. So... Our church doesn't normally do that. So for us, it wasn't like we go to church and sit down and we're like, oh, this is how you study the Bible. We're used to the other side of it. So we Yeah, we had to kind of go to other sources and um, connect with people like my mentor and even pastors online to, mm-hmm. to get some more information on like the deep meat and potatoes studying the Bible practically rather than just, I know there's a lot of people listening that come from different backgrounds and and denominations and church experiences. And what I want you guys to understand is the Bible is God's message to us. It's his nature revealed to us in the written word. The Holy Spirit has supernaturally empowered people and come upon people to write these uh, scriptures and to share the the truth of God. But he, he used human authors Um, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And what I think is just crazy is when you think about the Bible being written by over 40 different authors, most of whom never even knew each other. Mm -hmm. It's 66 books, separate, smaller books, all compiled into one. It was written over 1,500 years and on three different continents. Yet the same resounding theme is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life you and I could not, died the death that you and I deserved, and then rose again to give us new life that we are not entitled to. So that is the the supernatural divine printing that God has, has 
given us in his word and it goes even so much deeper so we want to just give you guys the the basics the starter pack the essentials on how to study the bible and let this kind of give you a foundation to go deeper and to branch off into uh, the style that you uh, resonate with best so Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people don't read their bibles because they don't know how or they think there's like this perfect right way to do it. So when they go and do it, they're like, uh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Or if they have a question or they stumble upon something they don't understand, they just kind of get frustrated and just would rather avoid the whole thing. Yeah, it's intimidating, and, right? It oh, absolutely. A, a daunting thing to take, you know, how do I study the Bible? How do I, how do I even do it? I don't know where to start. Right? Yeah. Or sometimes people will like read it or something and just be like, well, I feel like I didn't learn anything. You know, I feel like people just kind of always overcomplicate it. And although, yes, it is a complex book, it you really don't have to make it out to be like this big old thing. So Yeah, so we, we just want to give you guys eight simple tips that will help you effectively study the Bible and get the most out of it. And so a thing that we wanted to mention, too, is that Milena does this. And whenever she does her challenge videos, like her Bible study challenges on YouTube or Instagram, she'll implement these tips kind of seamlessly in her in her study challenges. So we want to break those down too because a lot of people have been asking her on those videos, hey, how do you study? How do you know where to be? And how, how do you know where to begin? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where where we want to take this and kind of our inspiration for, for all that. It's just the response that you guys have given us. Yeah. So honey, to start off, let's just answer this one simple question. Why is studying the Bible so important? Let's get let's get to the why behind. Right. Before we get yeah. to the what and the how, let's answer the why. Mm-hmm. Of course. So if you go to Matthew 4, 1, it is where Jesus is being tempted by the devil for 40 days. So it's Matthew 4, 1 through 11. But I'm specifically going to be talking about 4. So, or not 4, yeah. Matthew 4. Verse 4. 4, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Jesus says, well, it just says, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But then he answered, It is written. So throughout this entire passage, Jesus keeps saying, It is written. So God keeps, or Jesus keeps referring to Scripture. So if you don't know Scripture, how are you going to combat the devil or the enemy when that time comes and that time will come so if you don't know the word like you're like what are you going to do yeah you know that's the key right there exactly honey when you understand that satan knows the bible better than most christians Mm -hmm. he's he's always existed from his creation when god created him as as the angel lucifer he's been around the whole time so he's seen history. He's seen the fall of, of humanity into sin and the redemption through Jesus on the cross. And now in the church age, towards the end times here, um, we are, you know, he's lived through it all. And, and we don't understand that. He, he knows us. He studies us. He knows our weaknesses, right? So mm-hmm. he when he came to tempt Jesus in this passage, he's saying, so Jesus, if you really are the son of God, do this. And he would 
basically say, prove, you know, he was trying to get him in a non-winnable situation. Yeah, like obviously he knows that Jesus is the son of God. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't throw the stone, then it, you T- know. Turn the stones into yeah. bread, yeah. If he didn't, then is he the is he not the son of God? Or, you know, he's, tr- he's trying to make him either admit you're not the son of God or you don't have the power to do this. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responds only in a way he can with a third option of no Satan, you got it wrong as it's written. Let me, let me tell you how it's truly written in the, in the proper context. And then he would combat Satan's lies and twisting of scripture with true scripture in the proper context. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to know how to study the Bible is to be able to defend and fight off the enemy our own thoughts and doubts that when they start to creep in, when we think, oh, I don't know about this anymore. I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if his word is true. I don't know if there's there, there are contradictions. What about, you know, this, the science community, quote unquote, and mm-hmm. evolution and yeah. atheists. What are they? Literally what the world is saying. Mm-hmm. So unless we know our Bible and know how to study it, we'll never be able to combat these things. Yeah, and you're surrounded by what the world is saying, which is literally the exact opposite of what the Bible says. So if all you're getting and all you're hearing is what the world is saying, you're never going to be able to decipher what's true and what's false. And Jesus said, he on the side of truth listens to me. Mm -hmm. And in Psalms 19, 105, it says the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Mm -hmm. So that should be our life verse. Yeah, that's so true, honey. So with that... Let's get into those eight tips. Mm-hmm. And specifically, do you want to take number one, honey? Yes. So the first one is prayer. Before you even open your Bible, we highly encourage you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Um, a lot of people always ask me, like, where do I begin? Where, where do I start? Do I just open up to a page? Do I read the beginning? Do I read the end? Like, I don't know what to do. Just ask God to guide you and ask him to reveal it to you because some days he might want you to read this passage or read this passage. Just spend that time to really focus on what he wants you to read. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit's our teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus told us, you you know, the Holy Spirit will teach you these things. Everything that I've taught you, he will recall to you and teach you and you'll go on to do greater things than I have here on earth because he's going to be with the Father, right? Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is the key to our Christian life, and that obviously includes studying the Bible and knowing the Word because the Holy Spirit, again, authored the Bible. He breathed the pages to be, and the Bible's a living and active book, right? It's not some old textbook or some ancient, out-of-date, archaic history book it's the living active word of god that's what hebrews 4 12 tells us mm-hmm. so second point to that is that prayer is so so important that if we don't even know where to begin we can ask the holy spirit our teacher where to begin and mm-hmm. to illuminate us and to open our eyes and you know to teach us exactly where we should be so that's just the the big thing right there is is prayer the second tip is that there are three questions we should be asking of of the text of the Bible as we're reading it, especially when we come across something that we don't quite understand. Uh, so the first question is, why is that there? Meaning, what is that story, that, that word, 
that person person exactly you fill in the blank why is that there and really think critically about it what what can the holy spirit be wanting me to know there's no coincidence there's no accidents there's no filler in the bible Mm -hmm. every single word every single punctuation mark every every jot and iota is there for a specific purpose that the holy spirit has given to us it's just a matter of if we're going to look deep enough into it and study it right Mm -hmm. so there's so many gems and jewels to be had we just have to excavate the scripture and get deep down enough to dig into it to really lean in and see what the holy spirit is trying to teach us so ask why is that there secondly naturally the follow-up is why do i need to know it obviously the holy spirit wants us to know why something is there so why (laughs) right and then the third is why do i need to know it right now Mm, that's a big one exactly because now you're translating the scripture from its context and what it's saying in that specific passage to applying it to your life. And we're going to get into this a little bit more on point six, actually, but just knowing how to properly interpret things and how, how I need to know it right now is relevant to my life right now. Cause everything in the scripture is relevant to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of knowing that now and, and what does it mean? What are the implications right now so those are the three questions again why is that there why do i need to know it why do i need to know it right now what's number three honey number three is christological so everything is basically centered on jesus if you come across a question and you put jesus at the center of it it will make sense yeah exactly so what what exactly i think isaiah 9 6 the prophecy about Jesus coming into the world it says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, mm-hmm. right? He'll be called Mighty Counselor. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? Yeah. As you're reading that, if if you're just some someone living back in the Old Testament days, you're like, what is, what is going on here? What's Isaiah talking about? Mm-hmm. But what do we have now? Yeah. You know, that, that gives us so much. We obviously, we live in the post scripture era where the Bible has been completed after the book of revelation, everything has already been written and recorded and completed. Just a matter of playing it out now. Mm-hmm. And when we look back in hindsight and see Isaiah is clearly talking about Jesus here, right? Yeah. This is something I'm really guilty of when I read the Bible. I never really put myself in these people's shoes because we've already read the book. We already know what happens. You know, we, like Jordan said, we're living past all of this. So we know the end result. We know how the happy little after story goes, but these people did not, they were living through it, living in it. So they had no idea. So I always have to stop and remind myself to put myself in those shoes, like be like, okay, they don't know that Jesus, I mean, they've been given, it's been written and people have said and prophesied that Jesus is coming, but they don't know, you know, they haven't seen him yet. It hasn't happened yet. So it's kind of unfolding and you have to really put yourself in that. Yeah, exactly. And to that point, maybe that's why so many of them missed Jesus is because they didn't study their scripture. They didn't know the, what we know as the old Testament, which is their, the Hebrew scriptures. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't study him or, or understand them. And so they missed Jesus when he was clearly there. Yeah. And you can go back hundreds of years before Jesus's life to see several hundred scriptures that prophesied 
very, very specific details about who he was going to be and what he would do, even down to what city he was going to be born in. That was prophesied hundreds of years before he even came. Yeah, that's so crazy. when you put it all together, it's, it's so clear. Mm-hmm. But like Melana said, if you're living there in that time and it's playing out right in front of your eyes and you're not looking back in hindsight it can be kind of hard to, to see, yeah. right? You can I miss always, it. I always wondered, like, if I lived back then, would I have seen this? Would I have acknowledged it? Or would I have even noticed what was going on? Or would I have, like, denied him and thought this guy was crazy? For I sure. always just wondered that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, there, I mean, there were so many people that denied him and thought he was a lunatic. But then there were a lot of other people that said, you know what? Jesus, I do believe you. Yeah. I mean, if I saw some guy perform miracles in front of me, I wouldn't really question it. (laughs) Like, I don't know how some people could have seen all that happen before them and still be like, nah, this guy's crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a great point, honey, because there are scriptures. I can't remember exactly where, but talks about a lot of people thought Jesus was getting his power from Satan, that the only reason he was able to perform these miracles Mm. were like counterfeit things because yeah. remember back in in the ancient Egyptian time where Moses and the Israelites when they were enslaved mm-hmm. and Moses would throw his staff down and it would turn into a snake mm. and then the the uh, enchanters of of Pharaoh could do the same thing so Satan could counterfeit uh, yeah. miracles make mm-hmm. it look like a miracle right so that's what these Pharisees were saying that Jesus is getting his power from the devil got it and that's when Jesus says you know, you're committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And people ask all the time, what does that mean? What exactly is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? And they might be afraid that they've committed that because Jesus says that sin will be unforgiven. Hmm. That anyone who sins against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but he who commits blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Let me test, just put it to rest right now that if you're listening and you, you know what I'm talking about and you've read that verse or you've heard people say that, if you're even concerned that you've committed that sin, you haven't. So rest assured. <laughs> it's what Yeah, what I'm Jesus... looking at Jordan right now with like the biggest eyes ever. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, what what Jesus is saying there, and I'll just quick, you know, tangent, because this is exactly what we're talking about. This is an example of starting the Bible. What Jesus is saying here in the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is when Jesus so if you understand Jesus' mission was he is the the messiah right he is the savior of the world he came as the scriptures foretold and promised way back in genesis 3 when god said that he would crush satan's head and that he would redeem humanity right so the whole scripture the volume of the book hebrew says is written about jesus and so when the the people that like the Pharisees were saying, you're not the savior, you're doing the stuff out of satanic power. Jesus is saying, well, I'm actually doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't believe that, and if, if you can't see that, there's no way for you to be saved because I am the only one, I'm the only savior. Mm-hmm. So if you don't receive that and you don't believe I am who I say I am, then there's no other salvation for you. You cannot be saved, right? Mm-hmm. So they're saying you can't you, you can't be doing these things because we don't think you're of God. We think you're of the devil. And then Jesus says, "Well, 
you know, I'm not going to force myself on you. You have a choice. You have free will. If you want to believe that, there's nowhere else you can find salvation. The Bible says there's no name under heaven which is given to man for salvation other than the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if you don't go to Jesus for salvation, there is no alternative. Yeah, and you can't be saved. Therefore, that's an unforgivable sin because you've blasphemed what the Holy Spirit has done. Mm-hmm. So I hope that makes sense. But don't feel like it's not like oh I've watched porn I can't be forgiven. Oh I've said the f word I can't be. You know people might think yeah. it's not like that. It's mm-hmm. it's not. Well, it's it's a condition of your heart. It's not so much an action that you do. Right. It's a perpetual Jesus is of the devil. So I can't go to him for salvation. It's a willingness to stay in that state of unfor- of not wanting forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't want to be forgiven, you can't be forgiven, right? It <laughs> yeah, can be offered like and offered, simple, but yeah. it's the whole, if you lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink thing. Mm-hmm. Unless the, the horse drinks the water, it can't quench its thirst. Just like unless we receive Christ and receive salvation, we can't be forgiven. Mm-hmm. So to say that he doesn't have salvation, you can't be forgiven, right? Yeah. So that's what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. Okay, rant over. <laughs> Let's get on All to right, number four. Number four, which is context. Now, context is king when it comes to studying the scriptures because it is very, very easy to take something out of context to make it fit what we want it to say. Mm-hmm. I've been guilty of this. I think we all have to an extent. But I would just ask the Holy Spirit as you're reading the Bible and looking into these things, just say, Holy Spirit, I don't know if I'm interpreting this right. I need you to guide me and to enlighten me and help me understand this context in the way that it was meant to be read, not in what Jordan wants it to say, what Melena Mm -hmm. wants it to say, or anyone else wants it to say, but what do you want it to say? What does it mean to you, the Holy Spirit? Not to not to me, some fallen human, right? It doesn't matter what I think it means or, or what it means to me. It's no, I want it to to reflect what God actually intended it to say. What did the author intend for it to say? Mm-hmm. That's where I want the context to be. So you might have to look at the culture of the day. You might have to get into what was believed like religiously at that time, because there's all the different rituals and traditions that people still carry on today. But if you don't understand those things, you might misinterpret the context. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to be guilty of that, right? Right. So that's a little bit on the context. Just understand the author, the culture, the the year, the region, context is is all of that. So once you understand those things, it gives you a little bit better insight in what you're actually reading. Yeah. So number five is cross-reference. So in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all basically are going through the same thing and saying the same stories. Because every time I read them, I'm like, didn't I already read this? And I'm like, wait, this one doesn't go into as, like, so much detail. This one does. This sounds similar to this. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say that sometimes the Bible contradicts itself. But think of it like this. So Jordan and I are big on Law & Order. We watched literally every episode that's available on 
Netflix, and I'm kind of upset that they don't start from season one. They start at like season 20 or something, right? Anyway, okay, so we love Law and Order. So in Law and Order, every time that they're like interviewing people, let's say there was a car accident, and the witnesses are describing who was in the accident and the color of the car, one might say the car was black, one might say it was a deep navy blue, and there was one passenger. So their stories are very similar, but there might be one little thing that's not off, but just was perceived differently because obviously like if Jordan and I were to see the same thing I would describe it one way and Jordan would describe it another way although it is the same thing we saw the same thing everyone has their own different ways of explaining things so although there are these little things that are different it is all overall similar and that is bound to happen what would have been a little suspicious is if the bible had everything the exact same because then, like when I was younger, me and my friends, when we get in trouble, we would all come together and say, okay, we're going to say we were What's at this place. our cover place. story, right? Yeah. We mm-hmm. would all come up with a cover story that is the exact same. And we'd say the same exact thing to each parent. So when that happens, it's a little bit more suspicious. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, I think there's definitely truth and consistency, but an excessive amount of consistency, like you were saying with your friends, oh, mm-hmm. what? okay. Let's get everything right. Let's get the time right. Let's get the words right. That actually shows sus- like suspicion, right? Mm-hmm. And you think it's fishy that every single minor, minor detail matches, right? Yeah. But if there's a little bit of nuance here and there, but the main points are still fairly similar, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, yeah, this person's just recalling the events that they saw and that they understood. Right. But the same principles apply right the mm-hmm. same same general idea is there so that's exactly what we see in this in the gospels it's four different authors writing about the same events from different perspectives and there is some overlap which we expect but not every single 100 percent of, of the exact same thing so that's what cross references i think is a great thing point number seven is the whole issue of eisegesis versus exegesis. Fancy words. Those are Greek <laughs> words, which just essentially mean, eisegesis means to lead into. And what that in that re- respect, it means you're taking your own assumptions and your preconceptions and inserting them into wherever you think they might fit in the Bible. So you might start with an idea and think, I, w- I need to go find support for this somewhere in the Bible. And so what, what ends up happening is you twist Scripture or take Scripture out of context. Yeah, like you talked about earlier. Yeah, and number four, context being king. You're, you're, taking, you're doing it the opposite way that it should be done. You're leading into the Bible with some assumption, trying to find justification for it. And that's very dangerous because that leads to misinterpretation and you got a lot of problems. So mm-hmm. what you want to be doing is exegesis, which is to come out from. And that is uh, the, the scripture. Essentially, you start there and say, God, I don't want this to be about me. I don't want it to be about my ideas. I want to learn from you and what you have to say. So teach me what my assumptions should be, but let me start with your word. And so now your assumptions are leading you out from the Bible, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So that's that's kind of the, the whole point there is I won't belabor it, but just know that it, start with the Bible as your starting point 
on any issue or any question that you might have, start there for, for your answers and then draw your conclusions from that. Yes. And now number seven is original language. And I think this is probably one of the most important ones because the Old Testament was hit, written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greece and Greek. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with me knowing Portuguese and Jordan learning, there will always come, will come across a word where I am trying to explain to him what it means, but the words do not translate. Like I try to say it in English in a way that would make sense, but overall it just doesn't perfectly translate. And that's the same way with the Bible. So for example, the word love in English, we only have one word for love. So when like, let's say I love pizza or I love, um, the sun or like warm days, I also say I love my husband, but obviously hmm. I love my husband way more than the sun and eating pizza, but I'm using the same exact word, which is one thing that like drives me crazy about English. Like I wish we had more words for love, but in, is it in Hebrew or is it in Greece, Greek that there's, <laughs> yeah, Greek is a very specific language and there's a lot of words that are what we would think in English would be excessive, but they have several different words for the same word that we might only have one. Yeah. So they have four different words for love. So there is love of friendship, love of family. There's passionate love, which is between husband and wife. And then there is love that is unconditional love, the love that God has for us. So those are two well, those are four totally different descriptions. Right. We have to use more words to describe or to explain what kind of love that is. Mm-hmm. But in Greek, you just have eros or storge or phileo or agape. And yeah. you just say that and you know you already know what somebody's talking about. Exactly. What kind of love. We have to use more words to describe it in English. So um, I would also add to that, honey, that concordances are a great resource for getting to know these original languages a little bit better. And if you don't know what a concordance is, you can find them online. Uh, I use Strong's Concordance, which is pretty standard, pretty typical. But it really is a great study tool to help you know certain words. And, and what it does is it you take like the English word and you go and find it in the concordance and then it'll have a number ascribed to it. And then you go and find that number and you look it up and it'll show you whether it's Greek or Hebrew, depending on if it's Old or New Testament. And you go back and you look at that word, and then it'll show you synonyms and a whole etymology of the word and break it down and try to describe it in different ways that help you get a better understanding of that word. Mm -hmm. Because that could change everything. Yeah, or it can be the same word in English used two different places, but then when you go back to the concordance, it's actually two different Greek words are used, yeah. but they translate to the same English word. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit more of an advanced um, study guide or study but still, tool. Still, it's good to know. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's something you could look into. And I've been very blessed by looking into that and gaining some more insight on what a word means and how to better understand a passage. And last but not least, tip number eight is to use commentaries. Now, commentaries, if you don't know what those are, they are books that Bible scholars and pastors write to help break down what the scripture is saying and give you a little bit better insight onto what you're reading. So kind of 
a bonus tip because the previous seven all kind of build on one another, but commentaries are utilized in all of those uh, previous seven tips. They'll help you with context, cross-references, um, original languages, and just give you a little bit better insight. And if you're just starting out on the Bible and kind of not sure which one to go with first because there's tons of commentaries out there, there are some that, like Matthew Henry, has a very simple, basic, easy-to-understand commentary on the entire Bible. And that is one that I would recommend if you're just starting out, if you're just starting to learn, because he has some great insight, but he doesn't overwhelm you with a bunch of different stuff all at once. It's just kind of a a basic guide to get you uh, learning a little bit. And then there's certain commentaries that they could be on just one book of the Bible, and the, the, the page of the commentary themselves are more than all the pages of the Bible combined. So mm-hmm. um, it's it really can get that deep, and the scriptures are... But it's so much fun. I yeah. love those. Those are honestly my favorite because it really helps you focus on each word that is in the Bible. Like Jordan mentioned earlier, how there aren't... like. There aren't filler words. Every word that is in there is in there for a reason. So I just love when I do these Bible studies that are super in-depth that take forever to go through a chapter because I feel like I learned so much and I have such an appreciation for the Bible and the fact that God gave us the Bible. Amen. So there you have it. There's eight tips that Melinda and I recommend for how to study the Bible and how to get the most out of your Bible study. So we appreciate you guys listening in and hope that was helpful. Yes, and we will be doing actual Bible studies on the podcast as well. I have done a couple of videos with Jordan where we did that, but now we're just going to transition that into the podcast. So we're super excited about that. So we'll continue doing topicals that we've been doing, but also we will throw in a couple of Bible studies. And I'm thinking what we're going to do is go through an entire book, right? Yeah, we might break it up like the book of James. We, it has five chapters. We might mm-hmm. do one podcast session. will be chapter one. Then we'll jump back and do some more topical yeah. things and then come back to it and do chapter two mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Yeah, so. and obviously we'll be implementing and doing all the things that we mentioned today. But then it'll also give you an opportunity to join us, obviously, and to kind of see firsthand how a more practical way of doing it. And you might, you'll just literally see us doing that. So we're excited about that. Absolutely. And let me just give you guys a, a few bonus tips um, for studying the Bible that I got from John MacArthur, who's a pretty well-known Bible teacher and pastor out in California. But he just talks about four methods when you're studying the Bible. One is to read it and daily to maintain Uh, main points on note cards that you write down as you're reading something just to help you with your memory to retain what Mm -hmm. you're reading. You guys know how big I am on writing everything down. Yes, absolutely. That that just really helps as you're writing it and helps you to retain what you read as well. Mm -hmm. Second thing is to interpret. He said, again, to avoid superficial Bible study. And that's kind of what I got the whole, what does it mean to you? Uh, idea from. He says mm-hmm. you want to avoid that. It's not about what we think it means. It's what yeah. the author actually intended, what the, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. intended the Bible to mean. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. I have attended so many Bible studies where we'll read a passage and then the person that's literally leading it will go, so what do you think that means? And I'm like, who cares what I think it means? Right. You know, like the goal is a- <laughs> to get the actual proper interpretation from yeah. what 
God meant that to mean, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to focus on when it comes to interpreting. The fourth thing he said is to meditate and to dwell on verses. Don't be in a rush just to move past it and get yep. on just for the sake of completing your Bible study. Yeah. You know, you just you might have to just stop there and say, it's something we've preached in the past, right? Mm-hmm. You might just have to stay in that place in the Bible and say, you know what, this is challenging me and I don't want to move past it yet. So, And lastly, he says uh, the fourth practice is to teach and that is the best way to master and retain information is to actually teach it to others. So whether that's like Melena has a friend that she'll talk with a lot and say, Hey, I was reading this or I listened to this podcast and, th- and then she'll summarize it or, or mm-hmm. talk about some main points. Yeah. And that's a great way to retain what you're reading as well as to share it with your spouse, your friends, your family members, whoever it could, whoever you connect with in your life just share with them and and you could ask other people too hey what have you been reading lately or you know it could just be a, a an accountability check too is, mm-hmm. hey have you been getting in, in the word and what have you been reading you know yeah. so if you can teach others that will help you uh, to really understand what you're reading as well mm-hmm. so before we sign off uh, as as always Melaine and I uh, want to read a prayer request over the air and pray in conclusion Uh, We really appreciate, again, you guys sending in these prayer requests because we love praying for you guys. Uh, Just personally, we might not get a chance to do everybody's prayer request on the air, but uh, we will from time to time take some and and ask permission to read it out out on the air. So this week's prayer request comes from Alexis, and she's asking for prayer for her sister Morgan, who has just several... uh, diseases and disorders and problems uh, relating to her health. Um, I'll read the acronyms and then kind of explain what they are because the words, like the technical words, are just too much for me to try to pronounce. So her sister Morgan has POTS, EDS, asthma, and gastroparesis. And POTS is where basically her heart rate goes up and her blood pressure goes down at the same time, which makes her pass out. And then EDS causes her joint and skin pain. And gastroparesis is a condition that makes basically half your stomach paralyzed. And this all causes her so much, as you can imagine, pain and trouble that she cannot stand or walk very long without passing out. And she's always in pain. She can't eat very much without bad stomach pains or throwing up. And Alexis told us that her sister Morgan was recently accepted into the Mayo Clinic, but there wasn't much they can do on that first trip, so they're going back in May uh, next month, and that they are confident that God is the ultimate healer and prayer works and that they're trusting him through all this. So um, she asked for us to pray for her sister Morgan, and uh, we'd love to do that now on the air. So mm-hmm. uh, let's pray for her. Father God, uh, we are heavy-hearted and and just weep as we hear of people enduring so much pain, Lord, especially when there's uh, such a disconnect sometimes with with other people out there, Lord. We, we we all experience pain at some level in life, and to live is to unfortunately go through trials in life. And um, we lift up Morgan and her situation, Lord, even though it's hard for a lot of us to just fully grasp and comprehend 
we know that there's no shortage of sympathy that you have for your daughter here, Lord, that your heart hurts for her, that you see her and understand her and identify with her pain. And Lord, we just ask that you would perform a miracle, that you would heal and restore Morgan to full health and that you would be a blessing to her family and more than just physical healing, but spiritual healing, emotional healing, and mental healing through everything. And we ask that uh, you would provide her family the strength to carry on taking care of her, that you would guide the doctors and physicians that are tending to her, Lord, that you would just bring supernatural peace and grace to this whole situation, Lord. We know that you're able, you're more than able, and you're capable of doing this, Lord. And so we ask, uh, as your children, Lord, that you would uh, perform this miracle in Morgan's life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you guys again for tuning into this episode. If you have any prayer requests or if you have any recommendations for videos, or not videos, <laughs> I'm so used to saying videos. <laughs> Well, I guess videos too. I mean, we still do YouTube, but if you guys have any podcast topics that you'd like for us to cover, definitely go and DM us on Ask For Me In My House podcast. And yeah, we will see you, not see. Gosh, I am just like in such video mode today. Honey, you're trying to coo, uh, you're trying to still a cooing baby and take care of her, do the podcast. You're you got like multitasking you got it down <laughs> you can multitask in your sleep Ugh. i don't do sleep i don't sleep that's the thing but we will see you guys oh my gosh are you kidding <laughs> that it's a figure of speech we, we understand what you mean okay we'll catch you in our next episode yes bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>